to the Faith Church Estevan podcast, the podcast where we post our previous sermons from previous weeks. And our prayer is that it would grow your relationship with Jesus. Listen wherever you are and enjoy this next episode. We are in Philadelphia today, the letter written to the church in Philadelphia. And Jesus wrote this letter. And so what is particular in this letter is something specific to not only this church in Philadelphia, but to you today as people, because they're the words of Jesus. They're not written to you, but they're for you, and so we get the message of Christ today. And so we have endure suffering in this letter, we have hold fast to Jesus in this letter, and we have keep his word in this letter, and what does that equal? You can withstand the trials and the sufferings and the things of this life because of Christ. Not because of you, because of Christ. And so we have this letter, and I'm going to read it to you right now. If you keep backing up fast enough, you're going to hit that edge, and you're going to fall, and then everybody's going to go, oh, no, he's hurt. Please don't get hurt. So we have the church in Philadelphia getting this letter, which is to them, but it's for you today. Here's what it says. To the angel, verse 7 of chapter 3 of Revelation. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write this. The words of the Holy One, the true one, the one who has the key of David, the one who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews, but they're not, they lie. Behold, I will make them bow down before you, before your feet. And they will learn that I have loved you because you have kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world so to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast then to my word. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. And to the one who conquers, I will make them a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes from God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Philadelphia got a letter. Philadelphia has known, been known, and we could still say is known, because most of you know of Philadelphia in the U.S., right? We know the U.S. Philadelphia. Did you know there was an Asia Philadelphia in modern-day Turkey? Well, now you do. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, well, good grief. Thank you. I mean, good grief. But this Philadelphian church is the city called Philadelphia. Do you know what Philadelphia stands for? Brotherly love. So we all go, oh, yeah, they're not, because if anyone's an Eagles fan, you know they're 
or anything outside of an Eagles fan, you know they're terrible fans. They're mean, they're jerks, they, they throw things at you of bottles of sorts of beverages that are not legal in what I'm supposed to say today. They throw those things, right, Merv? That's right, because they're not true Canadians who love everyone. Philadelphia, though, is the meaning of Philadelphia is brotherly love. But we're not talking about the U.S. Philadelphia. We're talking about Asia Philadelphia, Turkey Philadelphia. And guess what? They are the city of brotherly love and sisterly love. It appears this ancient church in Philadelphia took that name to heart. That would be great if we all did that. They took that name to heart. They loved Christ Jesus. And they were not ashamed of Jesus. And Jesus was not ashamed to call them what? Brothers and sisters. Out of the seven churches of Revelation, only this church and the church in Smyrna received what? Unqualified praise, unqualified approval, and never getting flack. That's Nick's way of saying anything other than is a good English word, flack. Right, Coulter? Flack. Right? That's right. Amen. I knew I had you in a suit for a reason. They didn't get any rebuke. They didn't get any correction. What did they get? Praise, encouragement, and a building up. Why? Their brotherly love. Their sisterly love. Their love for one another beyond what our heart actually wants us to do. So we we have to ask, who is this church? Because... I'm not trying to paint a picture here, but what church is actually full of brotherly love? Right? I mean, the stash is great. Brotherly love, sisterly love. What church is actually full of that? Who wants to say they're a part of a church? I mean, it'd make me feel better if you all put your hand up. But don't. Don't lie, because you're in church. How many actually have felt throughout their whole life from age whatever, Coulter's age, what, how old is he? Two to 85. That's as old as we got here. How many have actually felt the brotherly and sisterly love of Christ throughout the whole time without judgment? I'd come down there and give you high fives, but it takes too much time, and then I get in trouble for going too long. So I'm not, ready? Amen. But if we're honest... Growing up, I didn't get that much. I got, hey, you're not wearing a suit, so you are a terrible person. I am wearing almost a suit today. Only reason I'm not wearing ties is because Calgary lost against their opponent, and so I can't wear a Flames tie when they lost. Because I have a Habs fan here who would completely behead me. It doesn't matter who won last night. It matters is we're about Philadelphia here, brotherly love. Amen? Amen. Amen. There we go. We're back on track. Here's how I digress. But all that to say, Philadelphia loved each other because they didn't have a choice. Their, their city was situated in a, in a trade town in Asia, and it was 
um, called Little Athens because it was full of idolatry and gods of many kinds, like small G gods. And they, they were full and inundated with garbage all the time. But though they were filled with idolatry and garbage, they remained what? Faithful to Christ. They remained faithful. I can't say that today because we have so much going on in our world that life is so much easier without Christ that we don't always remain faithful. But this church remained faithful to Jesus. And what did they have? What did they have? Little power. Who likes to hear that? Little power. You have little power. Anyone? Little power. They had little power. Nobody likes that. But they remained faithful. They faced persecution from Jews who were not. We see in verse 9, we, despite um, the weak, weakness and opposition, they trusted in Christ and his word, which remained them to be faithful. The point is they listened to Christ alone. And that was their greatest achievement. If you have no achievement in your life, I don't, I don't know what you do for a living, but here's the deal. Your greatest achievement is li- in life is to listen to Jesus than to just go along with what everybody else says. Because what everybody else says destroys your life. I don't care what you say. It does. I've lived it. What the rest of the world says will destroy your life. We can't even decide on a gender anymore. But Christ says, you are mine. I am yours if you just believe in me. And so we believe it, and we cling to it, and we hold to it. That's what this church did in the midst of their whole mess. They listened to Christ. That's our call today. Listen to, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and know that the scriptures, which is... Not very thick, if you think about it. I've bought books that are bigger than this that I've never read. This one's worth it. This right here, the scriptures, is what matters. If you believe in, that's the centering point of your life. You will be okay. Jesus Christ is the word made flesh. He is the word written down. Worthy of our ears. Worthy to listen to. I mean, look at how Jesus introduces himself in this letter, verse 7. We have in the single verse, verse 7, a fourfold description of Christ. Number one, he is the Holy One. That's what he says. He is the Holy One, the distinctive attribute of God. He is set apart, he is perfect, he is pure, he is the One. Number two, he's true, the true One. He cannot lie. Jesus cannot lie. I can. I'm really good at it. My dad told me I should write a book on 100 lies that Nick can tell to whoever would buy it. I'd be rich. Problem is, all of you have the same lies as I do. Christ cannot lie. He cannot tell you a false thing. He can't. I can. He can't why his scripture is so important. Christ cannot lie. He keeps his word. He's fully trustworthy at all times and in every single way. 
Number three, he has the key of David. Keys and locks and, and uh, doors, they're a sign of power and official authority. Jesus holds the key of, of not only Philadelphia and their church, but to the house of David. I hold the key to this door over here. Do you have a key? I'm sorry, you're new here, but I pick on people. Um, do you have a key? Do you? Oh, dang it. <laughs> That's totally going against my sermon. Well, dang, I need to pick on not new people. Do you have a key? Huh? No. Does it make you feel powerless? Yes. Just say yes. Thank you. <laughs> Somebody needs to say yes. Jesus holds the key to all of your lives. He holds the key. Man, you threw me off. I thought you would say no. I figure if I pick on a newbie, they'll go, whatever you say. <laughs> Jesus holds the key to David. David was the king of kings, the, God, the man after God's own heart. And God told him, hey, you are going to be the one where my son is going to come to redeem his people. The established kingdom would come through David, and it came through Jesus Christ, the Son who takes the seat of the eternal throne. We all have a key to something, but Jesus has a key to our heart, to our life, to our destiny. Number four, Jesus is the one who opens and shuts the door, the sovereign one over all things. He is powerful enough to open and close a door. I can open a door as long as you let me stand there and hold it open. But as soon as you kick my butt, it's going to shut. Right? Jesus, you can't shut his door. You can't. No matter how you try. No matter how far you say, you know what, I don't need you, Jesus. I don't need your grace. I don't need your life. Mine's actually pretty good. You can't shut his door. He keeps it open. He is the one who has the power. And so if he's the key to the door, if he is the door, if he is the one, the sovereign one, if he is the word, if he is the one who keeps us to the end, how can we not finally listen to him? That's the message in this letter. How can you not listen to Christ when he is the one who will do everything for you? We need this message today because at some point in your faith, walk. You will be tested. If you haven't already, you will be tested, you will be tried, and you will closely be defeated. I've been there. Because the Philadelphian church was getting persecuted and driven further away from Christ. So your faith will be tested, and when it is, you need the everlasting word of Christ to help you stand as what? Oaks. It's a terrible in Canada, in Saskatchewan, Oaks of righteousness, an oak tree. We don't have a lot of oak trees. Give me a tree that's just as cool as an oak tree. We have none. What's a tree that's close to an oak tree? Maple? We'll go with maple because I have no idea. A maple tree is strong, right? A maple tree. Oak tree, I, in my head, I'm like, an oak tree is awesome because they're like this big around and like solid for 200 years. Guess what you get to be? Uh, you know what? Canada doesn't have an oak tree. You get to be the oak tree in Canada of righteousness in Christ. Isn't that cool? Amen?
your oak tree of righteousness, but only because of Christ and the word of Jesus. So we look to those three things of the word of Jesus. The word of Jesus is an open door for his humble people. Jesus opens every letter with knowledge of each church. I know your works. You're either hot or you're cold or you're, you're terrible or you're great. Jesus always tells you what he knows about you. Today he says, I know your works. I know you. To this Philadelphian church, he says, I know you. I know you have little power. I know you're small. I know you're insignificant. But even more, they were persecuted. I know you're small. I know you're insignificant. I know you've been persecuted by these Jews who say they're Jews, but they're not. Yet, in the face of opposition and persecution, Jesus says, you did not deny my name. You held true to who I am. Man, they kept his word. They stood firm. They held the name of Christ to their hearts. And Jesus knows that. They knows their, their faith toward him and their, their love for him. So to encourage them, he says, I have set before you an open door. I've set before you an open door because you love me deeply. He says, hey, this opposition is not your fault. There's, your suffering is, is not your fault or re, a result of your lack of faith or anything else. This is just a, a nature of the beast. He says, those who want to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. You're going to have persecution. He says, none of this is your fault. You kept my word. You stood firm. You, you know my heart, your heart, your faith toward me, and your love. So Jesus says, behold, before you I have set an open door that no one can shut. That's an encouragement for you today. I don't care what people say to you. I don't care how many people think you're dumb for loving Jesus. He has opened the door for you that no one and no crud will shut. It may change your life, yes. Okay, great. Great, your life may change because you love Jesus. Well, guess what? So the door closes from some dingleberry in your workplace. Jesus will not shut his door towards you. He'll leave it open and say, you are mine. Welcome. If we're honest, the word of Jesus is the only open door for you today. Nothing can change it. So here's the point. This little church in Philadelphia, they had no power. They suffered. They suffered. Maybe you feel like you have no power and that you suffer. But guess what? Here's the point. Jesus saved you. Jesus saved them. That's the point. Jesus saved them. doesn't matter what outward circumstances you have as a church. You can be the biggest church you can be in the city you're in doesn't matter. You could be the smallest church in the city you're in. Either way, you're inheritors of the kingdom of God because guess what? Jesus is the one who opens the door, not your ability, not your charismatic view of things, not your charisma. Jesus holds you. 
You're on your way to eternal life because of him, not because of me, not because of Merv's jokes and great introductions. You're on your way because of him. So we can stand here today and say, go ahead, world, do what you will. Take your best shot. Tell me how stupid I am for standing here to tell you about Jesus. Because guess what? Nobody can take away the open door that's been set for me. Nobody can take away the open door that's been set for you. Amen? Nobody can take that away from you. It's there. Yeah, it may not look as fancy as you want it to be. It may not be as cool as you want. You know what? Just go perm your hair and get a mullet and walk through the dang door. Jesus likes that. I have no idea. I just kind of put words in his mouth now. I'm going to have to answer to that. It doesn't matter what you look like, what you wear, what you do, what you've done. He is the one that opens the door for you. Just walk through it. Because here's the deal. This is what this church realized in Philadelphia. When Jesus is all you have, when Jesus is all you have, Jesus is all you need. When Jesus is all you have, Jesus is all you need. I kind of want you all to feel that way. Jesus is all I got left because that's all you need. And he will bless it for his glory. And so we have the word of Jesus as the sure foundation. I've opened the door. I'm the one who shuts. Jesus goes on to say that the synagogue of Satan, the Jews. But let's just be honest a minute. None of us have really suffered. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But as a, as a country, as a people, we have not suffered. We can praise Jesus all we want. Nobody's getting crucified at the stake. Nobody's getting thrown out in the mud um, other than my own children because I have no grass. Other than them, nobody's getting beaten down for being a Christian. But there's going to come a day you will be. That's this church. They were, their, fir- their sure foundation was in Jesus Christ, and they were suffering. And so I would say to you today, suffering is the, is the way we know who we truly are. When you suffer, you know who you truly are, and people can see <laughs> who you truly are. When we suffer with Jesus, we see how Christian or not we truly are. That's okay. I'm not condemning anybody. Jesus doesn't even condemn you. But when you suffer with Christ, when you suffer for Christ, you see who you truly are. But I would also say, based on history, based on culture, based on our hearts, based on Scripture, I would contend that without the closed doors of our world, seen through our suffering... We often never really see the open doors of Jesus in his word through his grace because we never see a need to enter into it. When life is good, how many of you want to enter the the door of Jesus? Okay, well, it's selective. If I, okay, I don't want you to feel bad. 
if I literally am honest, if life is great, my kids are great, my money's coming in, which is now that I'm a pastor doesn't exist, but if I was, like all this stuff, if life is good, how many times do I need to go through the door of Jesus? I need your salvation. I don't because I can rely on myself, right? I can rely on myself when I have my own pocket and I have my own wallet and I have my own money. But Jesus closes the door in our world through our suffering so we can see the open door of his world and his word through his grace because that's how much he loves you. When things don't go as planned, you love Jesus. I'll be honest. When things don't go as your plan in your life, I need Jesus. I need somebody to be my savior because I realized I don't have what I need through my resources. So when things don't go as planned, I, I feel like I need more than my resources. I need more than my wisdom. I need more than my, my work, my ethic, my, my works, righteousness. What I need is a savior. What I need is somebody to rescue me and my family. I need a foundation beneath me that is stronger than the memes of this world that say, hey, guess what? Will Smith smacked somebody, so we're all going to go and laugh about it. No, I need something deeper and stronger than that. We need the rock of the scriptures because it's the rock of the scriptures, the word of God that has sustained these Christians in their persecution of death, of when they got their necks slit, blood spilt because they loved Christ. We need a Savior. Jesus will always make things right for you. It may not be in your time. It may not be how you think. It may not be how you even imagined, but he will make things right because his glory and promises hold true. Jesus is about to show the opposition in this text today how much he loved this little church. He says, Behold, I will make them come and bow down before you. How many of you want your enemies to bow down before your feet? Please raise your hand, because we all do. I want all of my enemies to bow down before my feet and say, You are so right. I am so wrong. I would love people to kiss my feet. Right? Kyler? Come on. I would love that. But we can't pass over the phrase that's beyond it. Bow down before your feet. That's a good promise from Jesus. It makes you want to go, I don't need to lift weights because i got people bowing down before my feet. But for the purpose of what Jesus says, they will learn that I have loved you. You cannot race over that phrase. I have loved you. Jesus loves his church. He loves his people. If we just look to him and hold out our empty hands of faith, confessing that we need his salvation, he, guess what, places in our empty hands of faith his full hands and heart of what? Love. He loves you. You go to Christ in repentance and faith, everything in your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, becomes what? A witness to the love of Jesus. People know his love because of you, not because of what he gives, but because of you and the result of what he gives in your life. It's a testimony. 
doesn't matter how much the world roughs you up because it's going to. On that final day, though, Jesus is going to wash you clean and show the world that he has loved you deeply and that you are his and nothing can defeat you. No one can take that away from you. Hear that today. The world may say you're worthless, but Jesus died on the cross to prove otherwise. The world may say you are terrible, but Jesus died on the cross to say otherwise. The world may say you're ignorant and stupid, but Jesus says your true knowledge is in him and you are great. The world may say you're wasting your life following Christ, but Jesus is just getting you ready for the wedding feast, the entrance into the abundant eternal life that he has given. So church today, keep his word with patient endurance because his reward is for you. It's not for just the Philadelphian church, it's for you. Jesus is going to keep you from the hour of trial that is coming Because as you suffer with Christ now, you learn how to face future suffering. Because suffering will always teach us the answer to the test of life. What's the answer to the test of life? Jesus. I don't care who you are. I could sell you a package, but it's not going to fix it. The answer to the test of life is Christ. Because he's the only one that will take you to that final banquet feast where you don't have to deal with anything anymore. And so as we stand on the unchanging word of Christ, we find the sure foundation, which helps us endure to the end, which is our third and final point. Two seconds. The word of Jesus is a promise. I don't care who you are today. You may not believe in Christ. You may believe in Christ. You may think you believe in Christ. His word is promise for you. Verse 11 and 12 is awesome. I am coming soon. Number one, that scares me. Number two, that makes me happy. Because number one, we have a lot of people that are terrible. Number two, I'm like, am I really ready for him coming soon? Number two, I want him to come soon because, let's be honest, between the states and Canada, our leaders are great. I would rather have Jesus. (laughs) If you would rather have anyone else, I think you should try to read some of this. But he says, I'm coming soon, so hold fast to what you have because no one's going to seize your crown. That's a promise. And to the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus traded the crown of thorns that you think you carry every day. Jesus traded those crown of thorns for the crown of glory on the cross so that you could have the crown of glory, so that he could take away your thorns, your crown of thorn in this life. That's Jesus. No one can take away from what he freely gives. He says, hey, give me the crown of thorns. Give them the crown of glory so that they cannot suffer, but have promise. Because he holds the keys. He has the door. He is the door. We can think of it this way. What, what do we have in Scripture throughout time is running a race. Who likes to run? Wow, we have no runners here? We got one runner and my wife. 
But, okay, who watches a run or a race? Who watches races? We all watch a race at some point, right? What do you cheer for? If your person, okay, I'm sorry, you sat in the front. Um, somebody runs a race, they're in the front, what are you going to cheer for? To finish, right? You're going to, Right? You don't sit and go, well, you know what? Okay, we're going to play your game here a minute. Las Vegas, you're in the third or fourth standings. I don't even know where they're at. It's a wild card. Just skate through. You'll be fine. You'll make it. You don't say that. You want them to get first place, right? You want them to be in first. So you don't go, oh, you're in first, just let up now, it's fine. Like, I'm a Flames fan, I don't go, hey, you're in first, let's lose three in a row. Drives me insane. You say what? Run! Don't stop running! Get to the end, don't let up now. That's what Jesus is saying to the one who conquers. I will make you a pillar of the temple of my God. We don't say Stop. You're almost there. We say, go, run. Because guess what? This is going to be like borderline Joel Osteen, but I'm going to totally kill off that mentality. Your best life is out there. It's just not now. You didn't think that was coming, did you? Your best life is out there. It's just not right now. Your best life is out there in, in what? Eternity with Christ. Your best life can never be on this earth. If it was, it's a waste of time. Your best life is in eternity. So cling to that. Run to it. Don't stop running. Because Jesus ran to the cross so that you can run to the open door that he has opened. So take heart and run. Just run. Our, our baptism today is the start of the run. Have him run. Don't stop running. The Philadelphian church ran. The world's going to knock you down in this life, but you're going to become a pillar of God in his temple, so run to it. I would love to be a pillar. Right now I'm just kind of like a swaying thing in Saskatchewan wind. Run to God, because he's going to write on your face, on your temple, and your, on your pillar, that oaks of righteousness, the name of God which means you'll belong to God. You will be marked as his people, renamed for his glory. He's going to put your city on him, from him on you, which comes down from the heaven, which is the new Jerusalem, which is a, all that means is you're going to have a permanent citizenship. And guess what? You're going to get the name of Jesus Christ, the name before whom all will one day bow, the name of Jesus, the Redeemer, the Savior, the Lamb of God who was slain, the Lion of Judah, the Christ, the True One, the Holy One, God himself, and guess what? There's a name even better than all of that that I can't even tell you because Scripture doesn't say, but it says it's so glorious that someday you're going to get it. just don't know what it is yet. When we reach that glorious end of the race, we'll know that name that he says, my new name. That name's going to be written on you, marking you as his enduring people, claimed by him for all time, as his precious people, so just run. That's all I can say to you. The good news of Jesus means run. 
just run. Hold tight to his word, this scripture, this living, active truth. Guess what? The news has never given you anything more true than this right here because they lie, because they have agendas. God says, run to me because I have what you need. And so hold tight to him and his words and run to that open door that no one can shut, and his name is Jesus. So run before the door is shut. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Hey, thanks for listening today. May you know you are loved, you belong, and have a great week. God bless. Thank you.